Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Shalom, good morning, kia ora tato and kia rana, talo falava, malo lelei, nisambula, namaste, salam alaikum and welcome to this morning's Aspects of Israel program brought to you by David Zwartz on behalf of the Zionist Federation of New Zealand. And some of our program is about improved relations between Israel and the countries around it, the Arab states bordering it or not so far away. But uh, because I'm pre-recording this program, there's one item of news that I won't be able to include, and that is the discussion on the budget, which is very important for the well, apart from important for Israel having a budget because they haven't had one for two, three years, but um, it's also important for the government existing, keeping going, because if it can't bring in a budget, it will automatically uh, be dismissed and then there will have to be new elections. So there's a lot hanging on the budget and by the time you're listening to this program, we may know whether the government has fallen or has survived because you have to remember that the margin in the Knesset that the government holds, it's a coalition government, is very, very slender, 60 seats to 61 seats to 59 seats. And it's a coalition which embraces eight different parties stretching from the extreme right to the extreme left so there are a great number of instabilities built into the whole coalition government and it will stand or fall on being able to pass this budget. But let's go back to the things that have been going well for Israel about in, in the field of its relationships with other countries, Arab countries in particular. And one of the first items is from the Jerusalem Post – that an Israeli private jet landed in Riyadh, in that's the capital of Saudi Arabia, that was Tuesday morning of this earlier this week, and that marked the first time a public flight from Israel has ever landed in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. The news came just the day after the first flight from Saudi Arabia landed in Israel as an Emirati, that's the uh, uh, Saudi airline, 737 Royal Jet landed in Ben-Gurion Airport last Monday. This is the latest among improving regional ties for Israel. Agreements to normalise ties with four nations, United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Morocco and Sudan, and in different ways, they're improving ties ever since the four countries signed agreements with Israel under what's now called the Abrahamic Abraham Accords last year. There, there are no commercial flights at the moment between Saudi Arabia and Israel because the two states actually don't have official relations. So the flights are a considerable advancement in Saudi 
Israeli relations as both nations finally opened their airspaces to each other just last year. In fact, the, the, the fact that Israel will have flight permission across Saudi space makes a big difference because up till now, the El Al routes had to jiggle and divert and, and uh, move around the airspaces of countries that were not friendly to Israel, and Saudi Arabia was one of them. And, it, and for instance, when El Al was flying between Ben Gurion Airport and India, say, or Asia, or yeah, South Korea, they fly to. Um, it had to, it took an extra two hours to avoid airspace that it didn't have permission for. But now uh, it's able to use Saudi airspace and uh, compete more uh, evenly with other airlines, which didn't have to have that jiggling around, avoiding of antagonistic airspace. Other things that have been improving relationships with other countries in the, in the uh, Abrahamic Accord uh, family, so to speak. And for instance, the, the, for the first time ever, and this, this is from uh, the news service Honest Reporting, for the first time ever, an official national team from the United Arab Emirates will compete in a soccer tournament in Israel along with youth teams from Germany, Russia and Israel itself. That's called the Gavri Levy Winter Tournament and it'll take place uh, from, well, in the coming week from 12th to 17th of November. The first visit by an Arab sports team to Israel comes a year after the respective football associations in Jerusalem and Dubai signed a cooperation agreement. The Israel Football Association chairman, Oren Hassan, said, this is the fruit of a warm and fruitful relationship between the two associations. Many good people on both sides have worked for this moment and for the deepening of cooperation in a variety of fields, believing that football is a wonderful means of bringing the two countries closer together and strengthening them. And another interesting first, both um, Israel and the Bahraini delegations to the COP26 climate conference in Glasgow um, had a meeting, or at least the heads, the, the Prime Minister Naftali Bennett from Israel, and the Bahraini Crown Prince, who is also Prime Minister, Salman bin Hamad al Khalifa. So this was the first ever meeting of direct meeting of two prime ministers from those two countries. They didn't actually say what they'd spoken about, and it wasn't directly relevant to the climate conference. It was a meeting on the side which uh, Mr. Bennett has been doing a lot of during his time in Glasgow. The, the, the Israeli situation is really very strange. It's, it's an anomaly 
that a country should be so disliked by its neighbours officially for so long and then once a, a, an agreement is signed, things start to go very well indeed. But, but another example of, of the anomaly is that Israel is in very much uh, an uh, antagonistic situation with Lebanon on its northern border for, for many different reasons. Well, of course, Lebanon invaded Israel way back in 1948 when Israel declared its independence. And although there were truces and, and ceasefires and so on, there's never been a peace treaty, as there is with Jordan, for instance. But And things have got worse over recent years because Lebanon is no longer a united country apart from having an absolutely disastrous civil war in the last century, um, the Hezbollah terror group has been becoming increasingly powerful within Lebanon. And now, as a, we used to say it was an alternative government, but now it is actually dominating the Lebanese government, which uh, many Lebanese people dislike intensely and the division between Hezbollah and other people, other groups in Lebanon is also on religious lines which was the basis for the civil war but at the same time according to a news item in the Jerusalem Post the Israel Defense Force is allowing growers from Lebanese border towns to enter Israeli territory under supervision to harvest olive trees, which they own, and which were when the, the division under United Nations supervision was was uh, entered into United Nations Security Council resolution, I think one seven oh one, which delineated the border and, and created what's called the blue line between Lebanon and Israel. Um, these farmers would would obviously like to harvest their olive trees and the IDF is allowing them to do so. They issued a statement saying in light of the economic situation in Lebanon and as a gesture of goodwill to the Lebanese people, the IDF opened the border to agricultural workers from Al-Jabad, Itaron and Bakhda. No, I'm sorry, that's Balida. I didn't read it clearly. The IDF allowed the workers to cross the blue line to a certain extent, allowing them to harvest olive trees in Israeli territory. This gesture was reported to the Lebanese side by UNIFIL. UNIFIL is the United Nations interim force in Lebanon, which has been there ever since the border delineation and the agreement to recognize that as the border. But uh, it has been very disappointing for Israel because there's supposed to be a zone of non-militarization to the north of the border on the Lebanese side, overseen and, and controlled and supervised by UNIFIL, but they have not really done their job properly. And when Hezbollah moved into that area and started to put uh, missiles into villages and uh, generally build up forces there, 
UNIFIL did nothing, and even its reports to the United Nations, which um, are done regularly, don't recognise that it's not really in control of that area as it should be, as as it as was required by the United Nations resolution. And uh, this move by the IDF to allow the Lebanese farmers to go into Israel to harvest their olive trees came just two days after IDF soldiers and Israeli police foiled an attempt to smuggle weapons and drugs across Israel's border with Lebanon. The economic crisis in Lebanon, which is a a disastrous economic situation, uh, leaves the IDF concerned that there may be an increase of drug smuggling and infiltration of migrant workers and refugees along the northern border. The IDF, however, decided that the agricultural workers do not pose a threat. So there you have, uh, at the high level, total antagonism and aggression between Lebanon and Israel, but at the on the ground, the IDF can allow, for humanitarian reasons, the Lebanese farmers to come into Israeli territory. And the same strange situation applies between Israel and the regime of the Gaza Strip, the, the Hamas regime, where Hamas initiated the conflict in May when it aimed over 4,000 missiles at Israel and and in the course of doing so uh, broke regulations of of international human rights, committed war crimes. But at the same time, now, Israel is allowing workers from Gaza to enter Israel on a daily basis – to work in Israel, and and thousands of Gazan workers were clamouring to get the certificates to allow them to enter Israel every day and work there. So the, the situation which unfortunately is presented in New Zealand media very often as a sort of black and white, you're wrong, I'm right, or, or vice versa, is has a lot of nuances that people in New Zealand don't generally hear about, learn about through, through their media and and uh, come to snap judgments on the situation there without really knowing what is going on. Well, let's have a, a music track. And this comes from the very well-known and popular group, the uh, Idan Rachel group, and the song is Ana Ana Wa Enta Enta. I am what I am. It's a sort of um, love song in a way, rather rueful, I think. You are what you are, and I am what I am. Be yourself and let me be me. And the last stanza says, keep it in mind. We're all born free. We're both just human beings who want to exist. So it sounds like they weren't getting on all that well together. So here it is.
تغيرني أنا والله على العال إلا إذا بتأيد فيني خلي بالاعتبار إنه لدنا أحرار مثلي مثلك إنسان بدي أبني كيان خلي بالاعتبار إنه لدنا أحرار مثلي مثلك إنسان بدي أبني كيان أنت Listening to Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM, the community radio station for the Wellington region, covering Wellington City, the two cities in the Hutt Valley, and Porua City, and bringing the voices of minority groups to you, the listener, but also through the you can uh, live stream it through the website of Wellington Access Radio or listen to it later on, download. Through also through the website. And uh, Wellington Access Radio, which was New Zealand's first community access radio station, has been providing this service to minority groups for 40 years now. Amazing, wonderful, long may it last. Well, I was talking about the good things that have followed from the Abraham Accords, and I've got some other ones here which came from the BICOM organization, examples of, of how the relationship has opened up opportunities. One is the Israeli air-to-water company, Watergen, which is a, has machines which um, draw water vapor out of the air and turn it into pure water. And uh, they are, are often um, powered by solar power. So this example is that Watergen has 15 medium-sized machines spread around beaches and parks in Abu Dhabi as part of a pilot program. These machines have been developed and and, uh, made available in countries in Africa, for instance, where pure water very often is, is hard to get or you have to the women of the family have to walk for miles to get fresh water. But with these machines, they can have them in the village. They don't need an electricity supply. And it improves, obviously improves their health and saves them a lot of 
arduous walking. Another example is a clean tech engine startup called Aquarius Engines has signed a memorandum of understanding with a British firm to produce its automotive products in the UAE. Another Israeli biotech company called MediWound will distribute its burn treatment technology in the UAE after it signed an agreement with the Ghassan Aboud group. That, that's an amazing burn treatment. It applies dressings which are gradually absorbed by the skin and so heal, protect the wound and heal the skin at the same time. And another example, finally, the Haifa-based regenerative medicine company called Pluristem Therapeutics has signed a memorandum of understanding with the Abu Dhabi Stem Cells Center to advance cell therapies for diseases. These are just a few examples of the opening up of relationships and development of commerce and, and interchange between Israel and the countries which have signed the Abraham Accords. And uh, you may have read that there has been a military coup in Sudan and people were wondering, conjecturing, was how was this going to affect the new developing relationship between Israel and Sudan, which is an Arab Muslim nation and has been very antagonistic to Israel over very many years. It was a base for al-Qaeda and other groups which were trying to attack and cause harm to Israel. But uh, unknown until, I think, yesterday, it was... no. Um, Earlier this week, it was announced that a delegation from Israel had visited Sudan, sort of under the radar, and uh, just to reassure both sides that the, the improvement in relationship was on track and came away saying that things are okay, that the change in regime will not affect the Abraham Accord change in relationship. So that's good news. Um, while I'm talking about politicians and uh, difficulties in, in uh, relationships between Israel and other countries, there's a strange news item, also from the Jerusalem Post, about wild boars in Jerusalem. The heading was... This was from a couple of weeks ago. Wild boars in Jerusalem terrify residents and damage property. Residents in the Jerusalem area have had a new issue plaguing them. Wild animals such as boars, jackals and porcupines roaming around the area, destroying infrastructure and spreading panic, Israeli media reported. Of the animals, however, boars are the most dangerous as they can cause severe injuries to local residents as well as to property. The problem is nothing new for Israel. Wild boars have long been a problem in Haifa, where they've caused significant damage, injuries, and in one case, helped end a marriage. <laughs> this became even worse during the COVID pandemic, when clear streets saw wild boars become an even more common sight. And as municipality-backed culling efforts were limited, <laughs> 
These boars are big, around the size of Rottweilers, and travel in packs. They're smart enough to break into gardens and trash cans and can potentially harm, can potentially turn violent. Dealing with them is difficult, with Haifa residents having formed pig patrols to combat the boars. One resident actually created a 3D printed whistle to deter wild boars. It all sounds extremely strange and, and uh, just about as bad as the political situation, really. The thing is that, that around Haifa and, and Jerusalem, there are, there are very nice natural areas. And so the animals, the wild animals, such as wild boars, golden jackals and striped hyenas, uh, 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 live there. They don't seem to know. They don't have any predators, and because of particularly because of the COVID COVID situation, and the fact that they've, they've had terrible wildfires um, due to climate change, the animals have have had to leave their habitat, their natural habitat, and come into the city looking for trash and gardens, food. So it's it's a real problem. There doesn't seem to be any particular uh, outcome at the moment. It just carries on. Well, let me just end with a couple of shorter items. Um, one is that Intel, which the, the, the huge um, computer chip company, has launched its latest um, chip. It's called... Alder Lake 12th Generation Core Processor, and it was developed over three years by 1,000 Intel Israeli engineers and other teams worldwide. They provide 40% more performance without consuming more power and represent the largest performance leap in over a decade, said the representative from Intel. And that that has an effect on all sorts of other things, of course, your phone and your laptop and wherever chips are used to carry out computing and communication and so on. And it's very much to Israel's credit that they have the people to do the research and build these new cores for everybody's benefit. Well, that brings me to the end of today's Aspects of Israel program which I hope you found interesting, and that you can tune in again in two weeks' time here on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. That's on Sunday, the 21st of November, for the next Aspects of Israel program. And our sister program, Jewish uh, Wellington Jewish Community and Jewish Culture, will be broadcast in a week's time on Sunday, the 14th of November. So until the next program... I wish you shalom and may peace be with you. That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.